This is a special report from About Space Today. Welcome, and thanks for joining our special report on Artemis, What's Next? I'm David Denault, along with Don Meyer, Space Coast News Editor. Well, Saturday was another disappointment for the more than 300,000 or more who drove from as far as Texas to see the SLS launch. The crowds were three deep with their canopies and campers along the 528 causeway, facing directly at the launch site. NASA engineers will continue to assess what's next for the Artemis I mission. And Don Meyer will join our special report next, as America and the world is listening to About Space Today. D&D Cruise and Tours is the official agent for About Space, and we invite you to come fly away to all-inclusive resort island destinations, or a cruise vacation from Port Canaveral, and even visit the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex, or just come and see the parks. Call for a discount cruise or an island getaway or the Florida beaches. Call today. The call is free, and so are our services. Call 877-747-8631. That's 877-747-8631. We are Florida's group travel specialists. Welcome back. Rolling the agency space launch system rocket back to a facility here, NASA officials said it would allow the engineers to work on resolving a hydrogen leak that prompted the engineers to again delay the Artemis I launch, intended as the first step in the agency's multi-year plan to land astronauts on the moon. NASA leaders also discussed potentially conducting that work on the launch pad, leaving the rocket in place. With more on that news conference is Don Meyer. Mike Serafin, the Artemis mission manager, explains a little bit about the leak situation that was the cause of the scrub on September the 3rd and what's being done to troubleshoot it, correct it, and get us ready for the next launch attempt. I'll just briefly recap where we left off the last time we were here, which was after the uh, Launch Minus 2 mission management team meeting on the 1st to review our readiness to head into this launch attempt. If you recall, the launch operations team out of the Launch Control Center stayed in the launch countdown following the attempt on Monday, and that gave us a head start headed into today's attempt. The team, when we came in for a tanking meeting, which was to decide whether or not to load the vehicle, the cryogenic fuel and oxidizer today, was on the timeline or slightly ahead, and it was a clean meeting. Uh, We met at uh, 04.45 this morning and talked about our setup for the day. Uh, There were a few items that we talked about, but most of those were of no particular constraint relative to uh, setting up for our launch attempt. Team identified that they had 46 collision avoidance cutouts in in the launch window. Most were just a few seconds. The longest ones were about a minute. We do have, at this particular time of year, a high propellant bulk temperature, which gives us more performance out of the rocket. So essentially we have a hot rocket in terms of performance to launch and that actually, uh, as we fly up through the Earth's atmosphere, pushes the uh, higher end of the maximum dynamic pressure or Q-bar. And we saw that we had positive margins but lower margins on one specific area on the Orion spacecraft and we were watching that. Uh, The vehicle was expected to get to about 700 pounds per square foot of pressure as it headed up the period of maximum dynamic pressure. Just Prior to the cryogenic loading operation, the team was working through a chill down, and there was an inadvertent 
pressurization of the hydrogen transfer line that the pressure exceeded what we had planned, which was about 20 pounds per square inch. It, it got up to about 60 pounds per square inch. And the flight hardware itself, we know, is fine. We did not exceed maximum design pressure, but there's a chance that, that the soft goods or the uh, seal, the 8-inch uh, quick disconnect, saw some effects from that. But it's too early to tell uh, whether that was the cause of the, the hydrogen leak that we had today. What we do know is that we saw a large leak at the 8-inch quick disconnect today, and that leak started when we went from the slow fill to the fast fill. This particular quick disconnect did not have a problem of this magnitude on Monday. We did see a small leak, but we did not see one of this magnitude. It was characterized as a large leak by our operations team. The team tried three times to resolve the leak, and all three times we saw a large leak. And as was discussed previously, if you can thermally stabilize both sides of that quick disconnect, we have a ground side and a flight side and that is where the fluid flow occurs through. If you can chill that down and ensure that there's no differential temperature across that interface, sometimes the leaks can seal themselves or heal themselves. So the team attempted that. They attempted to essentially reseat the leak by increasing the pressure in there, and that was not successful. So initially the team declared the scrub at 11.17 Eastern time and then went into vehicle safing and drained the cryo. The liquid oxygen is currently off the vehicle and the liquid hydrogen, at least when we were in the mission management team meeting, was still on board the vehicle and they were in the process of draining it. They should be off by now or very close to it. The team will get into what they call the inerting, which is they put gaseous nitrogen in there so as not to condense water vapor in the tank area and then they'll swap over to air. What that does is it allows us to get the the tanks back up to ambient conditions and then for us to gain access. In the scrub meeting that we had at 2.30 Eastern, we talked about three options. The first option was to simply demate and remate the umbilical at the pad, hoping that the soft goods would seal the leak up, but our confidence level given the size of the leak that we saw today was fairly low, that that would solve the problem. Team lean towards a removal and replacement of the soft goods in the quick disconnect and the options were basically to do it at the pad or do it uh, back in the vehicle assembly building and either of those options do not preserve our ability to fly before the end of this launch period which expires on the 6th. So team is developing a series of schedule options and we're going to hear about those early next week. The schedule options include removal and replacement of the soft goods on the quick disconnect at the pad. The other option is to roll back, remove and replace the quick disconnect soft goods in the vehicle assembly building. There's a risk versus risk trade. Doing it at the pad, you're exposed to the environmental conditions and we need to build an environmental enclosure to do that. If we do it in the vehicle assembly building, the vehicle assembly building is the environmental enclosure. However, we cannot test this quick disconnect in the VAB at cryogenic temperatures, we can only do it at ambient temperatures. So we're working through those options. The team, it's, it's too early to say, but they're working through a fault tree analysis as to why we did not see a leak of this magnitude on Monday, but we're seeing it of this magnitude at today's attempt. And they're also looking at the uh, chill down procedure to look at additional controls such that we don't have a reoccurrence of inadvertent overpressure that we had earlier today. So all that said, We've talked about it before. This is an incredibly hard business. This is an initial test flight of this vehicle. As was said 
by Administrator Nelson, we're going to fly when we're ready. And as part of this initial test flight, we're learning the vehicle. We're learning how to operate the vehicle, and we are learning all of the things required to get us ready to fly. And we've demonstrated a large number of those things, not only through wet dress and some of the other ground tests that we've had, but we are still learning as we go, again, to get this vehicle off safely. So our focus is on understanding the problem, developing solutions in terms of schedule, but also risk versus risk impacts, and we'll follow up when we have those options fleshed out further. And yesterday, NASA said to meet the requirement by the Eastern Range for certification of the flight termination system, currently set at 25 days, NASA will now roll the rocket and spacecraft back to the VAB before the next launch attempt to reset the system's batteries. The flight termination system is required on all rockets to protect public safety. So with the planned launch of SpaceX Crew-5 mission to the International Space Station, which is scheduled for October the 3rd, it appears the next SLS launch window would be on October 17th. Continue to follow our reports each Tuesday with me, David Denault, and on Fridays with Don Meyer on America in Space. For our entire broadcast crew, I'm David Denault. This has been a special report from About Space Today.